0: Let's do that hockey. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Dauber Prospects podcast. I'm your host, Peter Harling, and this is going to be episode 107, I think we're at now. This is going to be uh, the next installment of the Top Prospect Ranking Series that I've been writing for my NHL trade rumors. And this episode will be focusing on the Calgary Flames top prospects. And spoiler alert, I couldn't narrow it down to 10 to save my life. Uh, It gets pretty, uh, pretty difficult to really honed down it to a final 10. So this is going to be more like 20. So I'll try my best to keep it to to about an hour or so. To help me with uh, sorting through all this, I'm very pleased to welcome to the show for the first time, uh, Mitch Brown from Elite Prospects. He's the director of North American Scouting, and you can find his work all over the EP Ringside. By the way, if you are not a subscriber to Elite Prospects Ringside, you're really missing out. I know there's a lot of places that you can subscribe to, you know, Patreon or The Athletic and all that, but I really have to endorse um, the Elite Prospects subscription. It gives you really great access to some fantastic articles from some very great writers, as well as it unlocks a lot of great stats um, that aren't available to the general public, and I use them very frequently for all of my research for my writing and the podcast and just my fantasy hockey pool. I like to look at, um, you know, the, the player's game logs and, and see how their progression is going throughout the season, just as one example off the top of my head. So without further ado, uh,
1: welcome to the show way. Eh? Thanks Mitch for, for joining us. Thanks for having me on Pete. I really appreciate it. I'm looking forward to breaking down this very complex, messy prospect pool. Yeah. For Almost all of the rankings that I've done so far,
0: all the the, the guests that I've had on have have kind of said, yeah, no, I think your your list is is good. It, it kind of lines up pretty well with mine. you know, move one guy up or two down here, uh, you know, in the bottom 10, a few spots where you got him. but um, I'm pleased to say that uh, Mitch and I have some some pretty big discrepancies on our lists. So I mean, after the, the top ranked guy, uh, we don't really agree on anything. So this is going to be very interesting. But like I said at the beginning, the the, the Flames have a deep prospect pool to begin with. So um, when I was doing the rankings, I found that the top four were pretty solid. And then after that, I could be talked into interchanging any players from the bottom five all the way out of the top 10 into the next 10. Um, I just found it to be pretty muddy uh, that way. But uh, before we start getting into the individual players, let's talk a little bit about the Flames here first, Mitch. Um, I kind of talked about how deep they are. Uh, I think they got a lot of, a lot of players in, in the middle range, you know, like B-level prospects, guys that are, are good and whatnot. Um, they've got a couple at the top that are very good. Um, and then this offseason, they really rounded out their NHL roster, kind of eliminating any roster spots for any of these players. To, to have a, a job to win, they're gonna have to wait for an injury or something like that to find a spot. Um, do you kind of see the roster lined up that way?
1: Yeah, it, it it's an interesting situation to be in because I think in terms of NHL readiness, who is a guy who's gonna come in and be an effective NHL player right away? You're looking in net at Daniel Hazar. That's pretty much it, and then the rest of it. Very, very thin. Matthew Phillips could be a good fourth liner this season. Rzichka might be able to do the job, but the only other guy is maybe Zari, maybe Zari does some big stuff in camp, is able to break in, but it's going to be a tricky uphill battle for him.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, they they signed a bunch of guys. Um, Trevor Lewis, Brad Richardson, Brett Ritchie, Tyler Pitlick, um, Eric Gabranson, and these guys are all kind of roster blockers, but they're all on expiring contracts to be unrestricted free agents. So, um, you know, this, this year, I I don't see a lot of opportunity there, but, uh, if they don't hit the free agent market next year, there'll be lots of opportunity for some of these guys to progress. Um, and then I look at who's not on, um, waiver exempt contracts anymore. And there's a couple of guys that really stand out there to me. Um, Glenn Godden, Matt Phillips, Luke Phillip, um, Oliver Shillington, all these guys, um, Michael Stone, none of them can clear, can go to the minors without having to go through waivers. Do you think there's a a possibility that not all these guys can make the team? So they're going to have to send a bunch of them through waivers. Uh, Do you see them clearing? Do
1: you think there's a chance that they get sniped? I think there's a a 0% chance that Shillington clears. I think he's definitely getting picked up, but you would definitely be able to squeeze someone like Matthew Phillips out of there. Well, he is a fan favorite. He's a fan favorite in Calgary, not a fan favorite elsewhere. And again, I think with Phillips, you're looking at a guy who's probably a a third, fourth line type. So there there's definitely, uh, you know, they have a lot of guys, but they can squeeze some through. And I don't think other than Shillington, any of them are really going to move the needle NHL wise. Yeah. And
0: talking about some of the depth of, their prospects, they've got a bunch of players who, and these are mostly the honorable mention guys, but I found that there was a bunch that I really liked and maybe closer to their draft year. I was really bullish on them, but they just haven't progressed very well. Um, So we'll hit on some of those guys as we go along. Uh, I'm a little bit concerned that, that, you know, once their ELC contracts expire, they might find themselves playing in another league or looking for a job with another team. Um, but let's get to the list. Let's start right at the top. And we both had Connor area as the number one prospect. And for me, it was, um, it was an easy choice to, uh, to put him at number one. Uh, I think he's got the most upside. He might not be the most NHL ready out of all their prospects, but I think he's got a ceiling that's higher than, than anyone else that we're going to talk about. Um, why did you guys have him ranked number one?
1: So, Conazari for us, the big thing was the playmaking, the growth that he made this season. So, previous years, got a lot of assists, but he was mostly a shooter and could generate offense via the shot. Uh, this season, he started slowing down. He started problem solving a little bit, trying to draw defensive attention to himself and then setting up teammates. Uh, statistically. He virtually stopped shooting entirely, which is reflected both in his shots on goal per game and in his goals, but that's not going to be how he's going to play in the NHL. The playmaking is merely icing on the cake with the skills that they're getting with him. He's a very powerful shooter. He's very physical. He gets to the inside lane consistently. He finds space off puck. He's a type of player who's going to wear the opposition down via uh, his ability to play inside and also his ability to make impressive off puck reads defensively you know he's he's a a pretty solid bet to become someone who's going to score 25 30 goals in the nhl while bringing some defensive value
0: yeah and he had a nice audition at the start of the season in the american hockey league waiting for uh the junior leagues to fire back up um were you surprised that he didn't stick around in stockton or i guess they didn't have a choice they had to send him back to uh to junior so
1: Um, it'll be interesting to see, does he have another year of eligibility left? He's 19. I think he's done. Yeah, he's done now. He can, he can go back for his overage year. He's not, he's going to go to the AHL and he's going to score a lot in the AHL. Uh, his, his early stint was very good (laughs) with Stockton. And I think, I think he's going to be, you know, going with, you know, probably around a point per game in the AHL if he starts there.
0: Yeah. You always have to take these smaller sample sizes, with a grain of salt when, you know, the season ends and players from uh junior or NCAA uh, try, a, try to audition at the end of the season at the pro level. Uh, they can have really fantastic stats, like more than point a game production. And then the following season, when they try to translate that through a full season, it's just not there. Uh, there's plenty of, of examples. Um, do are you concerned you're not it doesn't sound like you're concerned that that's going to be the case with with Zara, you think he's going to hit the ground
1: running and be the leading scorer in Stockton? Well, the, the key difference is he started the season with Stockton. He was getting in, getting in reps with them. He knows his teammates and he wasn't getting fed. Perfect ideal situation. So generally when those guys come at the end of the season, they got the name value. The NHL team wants to see what they can do. So their AHL staff feels pressure to put them in prime minutes on the power play and everything in Zari's case. He definitely has the credentials to do that, but it was also very clear that he wasn't just capitalizing on a good situation. It was very clear that he could handle the pace of the AHL. He was creative enough. He was physically strong enough. The skating is really the only thing that is problematic, but it's not problematic in the AHL. That's for sure. Right. All right. So it's safe to say that we both like Connor Zary. And
0: uh, if you have an opportunity to own in your fantasy league, we, in- we, we endorse that decision and, and ownership for sure. All right. So it was fun agreeing with you. Let's move on to the rest <laughs> of the list. <laughs> so at number two, I have uh, Jacob Pell-Jay. Um Played last uh, last year in the queue with Valdor, and um, you had him ranked uh, at the bottom of your list at number eight. Uh, that's a pretty big difference. Um, he posted over a point and a half with Valdor. Um, that's pretty impressive. Um, he also made an impact on team Canada at the world juniors, uh, helping them to a silver medal and he'll be moving into the American hockey league this coming season as well. Um, so I'm kind of pretty, pretty bullish on him. He's, you know, he's five nine one sixty one, So he's not a big power forward, but th- I don't see too many red flags
1: in his game. Is there something that I'm missing that has him a little bit lower for you? So the first thing, anytime there's a disagreement like this is, so what's the, uh, you know, what's what's the philosophy that's driving it? And for us, when you look at the majority of our rankings, like our draft board or top 15 prospects or top 100 prospect ranking, it's mostly via star potential. So who is the most likely to become a star in this spot? And in the case of Pelletier, we felt that even though he was in a tier with prospects number three to nine... Uh, the potential for him becoming a star player was very slim, and so in a ranking where you're looking at, you know, who's going to be the most effective third liner, who's going to be a buzz saw, who's going to be a fan favorite, he's going to be a lot higher. But in our cases, we just didn't see that, and the reason the reason for that is is a couple is, is a couple things. The first thing is how he attacks, how he creates his offense. He's a straight line player. He just skates straight down the boards until he runs out of space. He's a below average skater. He can't really flex his ankles far enough. His hips stay really high, his strides wide, his feet kick. It's not going to hold him back from being an NHL player, but it does provide a very um, concerning image for a top six potential. And then the next part of it is his playmaking. He significantly added playmaking components to his game, but unlike, say, Zeri, the difficulty with it is that it doesn't seem to be something that's going to translate to higher levels again because he's a straight line player when you try to find the trailer in the nhl you got to push to the inside with crossovers come back to the outside you know you kind of got to prod for these teams kind of got to diversify and he doesn't really do that he's very good at what he does though and what he does is he's got nhl instincts around the net He's got an NHL shot. He times his movement into space brilliantly. He's going to score goals. We just think it's probably more in a third line role. And that's ultimately why we ended up sticking him behind some higher upside picks. But if you want to tell me he's the second best player in this organization, uh, like there's not really a ton of reason to disagree. I mean, especially if the emphasis is on NHL readiness or how effective he can be inside of a role.
0: Yeah, two two of the factors that I I look at a little bit is um the upside and the certainty and the ETA. Um you know those those are things that are important for me in ranking fantasy players. Now, my ranking here for my NHL trade isn't a fantasy ranking, but it's hard to turn that switch off, I guess, for for me when it's ingrained so hard. And so I like Peltier's trajectory to the NHL. I think he's I think he's a surefire NHL player, but I agree. He may not develop into a a top six offensive star, but his floor is, is, is high enough that I felt, you know, this is a player that, you know, even if he doesn't turn out to be an all-star, he's still going to be an NHL player and he's still going to play several hundred games in the NHL, I think. So, um, you know, compared to the guy that I had ranked next on my list, Um, He definitely has top six offensive upside and could be a star, um, but he's only done it at, at the uh, USHL level. So not as, not as certain. So let's talk about the next guy. You had him ranked second on your list. I had him just below third. So we almost agree here. That's pretty impressive. I'm talking about their 21 first round pick 13th overall, Matt Coronado, who part of the, uh, the loaded up Chicago steel in the USHL, lit the lamp for 48 goals in 51 games. That's pretty much a goal, a game pace. That is sick. That's just crazy. So he is what he's 18 years old. And now he's going to the NCAA. He'll be playing for Harvard. He's not going to be able to score at that level, but uh, is he a one trick pony? Like that's a pretty good trick. I'm okay if it is, but what's your scouting report on Coronado and why do you have him at two?
1: It's funny, his goals got all the attention, right? But I think from an NHL projection, we actually like his playmaking a little bit more. So the reason behind this is that he's, again, just like Peltier, he's a straight line guy, straight line attacker, not a ton of diversity in his game, but his passing skill is absolutely incredible. Some of the plays that he makes are just highlight reel, even if they're buried behind a barrage of outside lane shots, these aerial passes, these crazy backhand feeds to the trailer through three defenders, that kind of stuff really, really appealed to us from his NHL uh, NHL game. And, of course, he is also, just like Peltier and just like Zary. his skating does come with flaws. He's not going to be a speedster in the NHL by any stretch of the imagination, no matter how hard he works. And But we think with a guy like Coronado, who has evolved his game already in the USHL, the player that he was as a draft minus one was very different than the player as he was as a draft year player. We're betting that he's going to do it again. And so instead of just being this guy who's going to fill the net as a shooter, he's going to play a more give-and-go game. He's going to become more of a playmaker. And ultimately in the NHL, we like his chances of becoming a very good uh, third-line winger, bare minimum. And if you continue to see skating growth from him, there's a real chance that he's going to be a second-liner. And on top of that, a unique one, because he brings so much in the way of of bringing, of trying to get pucks to the middle through retrievals. It brings so much in the way of off-puck scoring instincts. So a lot of different ways that he can he can complement high-skill players and and drive lower-skill players on a lower part of the lineup. He's definitely an interesting player for
0: sure. And, you know, he's one that he was ranked, uh, sorry, drafted 13th overall. And I think his fantasy value is higher than his NHL value. So he's a player I would have I moved up on my fantasy rankings on on draft day. Um, so he's really interesting. It'd be nice to see what he does at the NCAA level at Harvard. Um, if he has a really good strong season as a freshman, I think his tenure there might be limited to one and done or maybe two seasons. Uh, and then Calgary might want to get him at the pro level, see what he can do there. It'll be a fun, a fun player to watch. Keep tabs on that file. Um, Holy smokes, we agreed on another player here at number four, Dustin Wolf, the goaltender. We both had him as the Flames' top-ranked goalie. So he's, what I said in my article is he might end up being the Flames' all-time best value draft pick in franchise history. Not their best player or their best draft pick, but their best value draft pick. Because they got him in 2019 in the seventh round, 214th overall, which is like third or fourth last overall in the draft. So the percentages of that player playing in the NHL for you are like 0.2 or something like that. Very, very low. Um, but his WHL career was just spectacular. He had a record of 106, 34 and six with a one eighty four goals against average and 24 shutouts. Uh, you know, he just dominated junior in the, at the, uh, in the WHL with, uh, Everett, I believe it was. And, um, you know, he made the American World Junior team. Uh, Wasn't able to get the start behind Spencer Knight, but he was the backup and he looked great there. Didn't get scored on at the World Juniors at all. Um, And then last year, like, um, uh, like, like Zari, he started the season waiting for the WHL to start and the AHL didn't play very much and didn't look very good at the American League level to start. Um, I think he gave up like five goals in his first game. Um, I'm not terribly concerned about that. You know, he is pretty young. He's 20 years old. Uh, he'll be turning pro. This will be his first full season of pro coming up. And I wouldn't be surprised if he starts it in the ECHL. And again, that wouldn't really be a concern for me. I think Adam Warner and Tyler Parsons should be the, the tandem in the American hockey league. Uh, you had him ranked fourth as well. Uh, it's hard not to like this guy. What's uh, what's the EP take on him?
1: We actually had uh, him ranked as the second goaltender in uh, in Calgary system, but that's not that's not a slight against him. That's how confident our goaltending expert Catherine Silverman is in the other goaltender's game. In in Wolf's case, I mean the numbers are obviously crazy. Everett Silver tips the goalies always post crazy numbers. He's no different, but there is a different flavor with his game than you're getting with the other non-carter hart everett silvertips goaltenders you know he's a a smaller guy by nhl standards but he just always knows the play that's coming always His, his tracking is fantastic his management of his depth his reads very very strong and of course you're getting a pretty advanced skater to boot so he he can adjust to the play extremely quickly he's very efficient there's a lot of technical elements of his game that look like they're going to be very, very strong NHL components for sure. Uh, we we see him as a um, as a potential NHL starter.
0: Yeah, I, that's right. I, I didn't realize you had Vladar rated uh, ahead of him. I didn't have Vladar in my top ten, so we'll have to get to him once we get out of uh, out of my top ten and start talking about. Uh, the players that I totally missed on. Um, I don't like Vladar, but uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. All right. So we both agree that Dustin Wolf's great. Um, do you think he, he's got NHL starting upside?
1: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure.
0: Well, that's fantasy relevant there then. All right. So I didn't have Vladar in my top 10. The next guy I did have, you didn't have inside of yours. Uh, I'm curious if Adam Ruziska was mm-hmm. in consideration, if he was close to it, uh I had him there because and I thought this was kind of interesting I'll pick your brain on this he's one of the few prospects that actually showed significant signs of of improvement and development in Stockton last year they kind of struggled they had a not very great year they didn't put a lot of numbers on the boards um but his counting stats improved he had 21 points in 28 games he got an NHL recall he had decent minutes there but I think he had one game where he played with Matt Kachuk. Um, he's got great size. He's six four, two hundred and three. 203. Uh, so there's a lot to like there. I think his. NHL certainty is, is. Mm, not rock solid, but he's definitely should get a chance this year to get some more games in. Um, and his upside isn't, uh, top six. I don't think, but I think his floor is, is pretty impressive. So what's your take on Regiska?
1: We had him 15th in their system uh there we just didn't see any any outcome where he's a where he's sort of a top six guy in the nhl he's he's a skilled puck handler that's kind of the thing that he does best beating guys one-on-one but to do that in the nhl you have to be able to skate he's a very weak skater heavy feet doesn't get a ton of ankle flexion hips stay really high can't generate a lot of power uh he forces a lot of shots he doesn't distribute particularly effectively and the defensive game is very inconsistent so in his regard just because you know he's big he has hands and if he could play defense nhl team would certainly take him in their lineup uh whether or not he's effective uh but his defense very inconsistent if he continues to improve it then maybe he's a checker but we didn't really see any more reason to be excited about his game than that regardless of the stats Mm mm-hmm yeah, Craig Button once told me you don't scout
0: with a tape measure, and I think that applies here to Riziska. You know, he he said it in context of of cautioning against not drafting guys because they're they're five foot seven or whatever. Um, if you can if you can play, you can play. And just because you're six foot four, two hundred and three pounds doesn't mean you can keep up with the pace at the NHL level, and and that is a, a pretty significant concern. Um, is it just his physical ability? in terms of skating to keep up with the play? Or um, do you think he doesn't process the game at an NHL level as well?
1: Well, like I said, the difficulty is that he's not a great distributor. And so if you're looking, if you're a below average skater in the the NHL, you have to meet above average distributor. Generally, you got to be able to move the puck effectively. You got to see options right away, move it one touch, two touch, whatever. That's not his game at all, unfortunately. Although he has made some real improvements, there's not denying that. But I just we just didn't see quite enough there in regards to how was he going to offset his skating issues in the NHL and to his credit, watching him in the NHL you did see a lot more defensive engagement. He tried a lot more to you know get defenders on his back, be more physical. but I think if he does make the NHL, it's more again as a fourth liner and a guy who is is going to play whether or not he's good simply he's going to play because he's big and and can hit people. Hmm. All right. That's interesting. So the next player I want to talk about, I got at
0: number six, uh, you had him at five, so we're not too far off here. And that is their 2020 third round pick, uh, Jeremy Poirier. Uh, he's an offensive defenseman, but he's just a bit of a bit of a nightmare in his own end. Um, his plus minus numbers have been pretty awful, but they are trending hard in the, in the correct direction. Um, it looks like they've got, you know, offensively speaking, they got a first round talent in the third round. Um, but do you, I guess you guys are seeing signs of improvement in his defensive liabilities We're, you know, we're going to keep him out of the NHL, but they are improving. Um, you have him ranked fifth. Uh, do you see him being an NHL player or kind of not being able to play defense
1: well enough? Well, it, I think, as much as I like to be the answers guy, I think it's a little bit early to mm-hmm. to answer that just because, again, the skill is incredible. It's very rare to find a defenseman who can both shoot and handle the puck like he can. Uh, and on top of that, there's a ton of playmaking skill. He just doesn't use it enough because St. John is content on having him and Villeneuve take a 45 shots per game for some reason. So I think the I think the thing, again, the defense, he's not a turnover-prone player, that's for sure. It's just that the defensive side Last season was very, or I guess in 2019, 2020, he was very committing, uh, his skating kind of bled into that where he would kind of do these one foot stops where he stops on one foot lunges in trying to get the guy early. You can't do that in the NHL. You get turnstile to you up the middle every single time he stopped doing that. He started, he improved his backwards skating, started using crossover C cuts, kind of generate backwards momentum angle the play. Still not very good. And the off puck defense, he's a little bit more engaged. He's very reactionary. He's very late. Uh, Sometimes the motor just doesn't work at all. So it's a tough one because you need to play in the NHL. Even in today's NHL, you need to be responsible defensively to a point. Like there's a threshold, right? Where it doesn't matter how good offensively you are. are. If you want to get minutes to use that offense, you have to reach some threshold. And he's not quite there, but he is closer than he was in his draft year. I think next year will probably be pretty indicative of where he's at. He's going to be playing on a Memorial cup team. They're going to be loaded in terms of talent. And he's also going to be the go-to guy. So what will happen then defensively? Is he going to be more engaged? Is he going to improve knowing that he could win the biggest trophy in junior hockey? Guess we'll find out. Yeah. And then once his junior career is
0: over uh, the flames coaches will get their, their hands on him, and they'll be able to, really mold him in the way they want or get an idea of if it's, is he unwilling to play defense or is he incapable of playing defense? And um, what do you think the, the, I guess there's a bunch of different reasons why you might be ineffective defensively as a defenseman, because you just, you can't anticipate, you don't have the, the, you know, the, the hockey IQ for it, but based on his offensive his skill, he's definitely got some hockey sense that would have, seemed to me that he should be able to anticipate what the play is going to turn into and and put himself in the correct position for that you already said he's got great skating ability so he should be able to physically get himself into those positions um is it just a a lack of defensive
1: interest that he's a forward playing defense well the, the first thing is that we think the game is actually a weakness the defensive game has improved but it's still below average the forward stride again is a weakness and of course as a defenseman you're you're Your backwards and lateral mobility is more important. Your ability to kind of separate and do a punch turn. He's not very, he doesn't have much depth, so he can't really separate in that way. But the big thing is that he might just have the Ryan Merkley issue, right? And the Ryan Merkley issue is that for so many years, he didn't have to play defense because he was so superior to everyone else. And, you know, he had people in his ear all the time telling him that it wasn't his responsibility, And then once he goes to the London Knights and you start seeing Merkley try to improve, he's putting the effort, but he's still making bad reads because there are times it's just ingrained in him that he needs to take time off here. Like when the puck's in the corner, catch your breath, get ready to go on offense. And then when you do that as a defenseman at higher levels, you get burned. And Poirier doesn't quite do it to the same extent. Like it doesn't seem quite as habitual but it certainly isn't good. Like he, he doesn't seem to have the motor consistent. He doesn't seem to have the engagement consistent consistently. And of course, just like anything else, when you're doing it all the time, when you're doing a lot of it and you're trying to improve it, you get better at it. And in Poirier's case, I think he has gotten better at it. But again, when you're not engaged, the motor is running low or whatever. uh, You're not getting as much out of the reps as you could be. And I think that's kind of the core issue here.
0: Hmm.
1: All right. Um,
0: so that's, that's my top six, Zari, Pelche Coronado, Wolf, Ruziska, and Poirier. And I got another defenseman at number seven, who I was just one step behind you guys. So not too much of a disparity there. That's Connor Mackey, who went undrafted uh, while playing in the NCAA Um, was previously invited to Calgary's development camp. So he didn't go under the flames radar, but they never drafted him. Then they signed him as a free agent last season. He played, uh, most of last year in the American hockey league and, uh, 16 points, 33 penalty minutes, uh, was recalled to the flames and made his NHL debut later on. I think it was late in the season. Um, and I don't think he played very many games. Uh, But he looked pretty good. And I think he's got the ability to play at the NHL level. Uh, I don't think it's going to happen this year, barring some injuries or other type disaster, just based on the players that they've signed. Um, So, you know, I'm kind of a big fan of this kid. I I like what I've seen from him. It's been kind of limited sample size. But
1: uh, what's your guys take on Connor Mackey? Well, everything that I what we just said about Poria, yeah, he's the opposite. They're like <laughs> perfect puzzle pieces that could fit together. Uh, you know, his mobility is a massive strength. He's explosive. Even if his stride lacks a little bit of refinement, he can really separate from players. And defensively, he's just so confident, so comfortable, so reliable. Um, he's just very aware. He has some problem solving skills. Like it's not just he's going to one area, tying up a guy. He's He's making the next step. He's taking control of the attacker's feet. He's bringing them to the boards. He's taking the puck away. And then he's skilled enough in transition, even if his puck, even if his puck handling is a bit of an issue, that he can instantly spin the puck around, back up the middle of the ice, and then start a rush, joining himself. So we're not projecting some big offensive totals from him, but he could be a very, very capable number four, or number five, playing a, a reliable defensive game with some transition value.
0: Yeah, and I think he's got some... Uh some bangers uh value as well where he likes to uh hit and he's a defenseman so he'll get you some block shots and uh you know he plays a physically aggressive game, So you'll get you some penalty minutes as well so if you're in a multi-cat league his value increases significantly there yeah no I'm, I'm a fan of his i like him um i think he should be the first one of the first players recalled too should they have an injury I and mean, he is waiver exempt so they can call him up and send him down and call him up and send him down and all the live long day and not have to worry about him getting getting snagged off off waivers that way too right um okay so moving on to number 8 i had Ryan Francis here uh you guys didn't have him inside your top 10 he's a 5th round pick in the 2020 drafts. And speaking of not measuring players with a tape, this is a great example. He's five foot nine, 170. So he's on the slight side. And he dropped on the draft. You know, he went in the fifth round, 143rd overall after having 72 points in 61 games in his draft year. And then in 32 games last year, he scored 50. He's got silky, smooth hands. He's got a good shot. He's got quick feet. Um, you know, I, I, I've i not really watched a lot of his games, um, but I've seen a lot of his highlight reels and whew, they're pretty sexy. So it's obviously really dangerous to scout players from their highlight reels and not watch their game. But uh, that being said, I have him in my top 10 at eight. You guys don't have him in your top 10. What's your take on this guy? We had him
1: ranked 11 and like, really there's an argument that he could, he could slide into the, into the 10th spot. Um again, everything you said, the hands, the pace of operation, a uh, really smooth player, some highlight reel capabilities for sure. His shot looked a lot better this season. Mechanically, uh, he, he gets more separation in between his feet so he can put more down for us, get more power off. Uh, looked a lot more controlled as well. Uh, again, lower body helps with stability and I think in the NHL, his role is more as just being a a transition guy, you know, give him the puck, he's going to break it out of the zone, turn it into an entry, then offload it and let his teammates do the work from there. So I don't think the point production is going to be is going to be a major selling point for his game at the next level. But he does have some really interesting playmaking flashes. He's not like a true manipulative guy who can create a lane, but if it's open, he's going to connect and he's going to connect fast. And he's going to connect off the backhand, off the forehand with the saucer pass by pulling the puck into his feet and passing under their sticks. So yeah, he's an interesting player for sure. There's a, there's a lot of reason to be excited for him. And on top of that, you know, he's, there are a lot of guys in this flame system who have the archetype of good puck handler and not much else. And I feel like out of everyone, including William Stromgren, who we've had ranked over him, his game has a little bit more substance to it beyond the hands.
0: Yeah. And he should be turning pro this year too, right? So that'll be interesting to see how he uh, translates his offense at the pro level. Hopefully he hits the ground running. Stockton could use the boost. Uh, Okay. Number nine, I went with, and this is the one that I was, perhaps the most uncertain on Johan Kinval, another free agent uh, signing. They didn't draft him. He's uh, coming over from Sweden. He's a six foot defenseman. He's got a couple seasons of SHL development under his belt already. He's 24 years old. So like Mackie, he's a little on the older side. He doesn't have a lot of time to, uh, to break into the lineup. He's going to have one season in the AHL. Then if he's not in NHL ready after that, um you know my the nhl certainty drops right down for me um you know i haven't really seen much of him play i'm just basically looking at his profile and he's 24 years old he's got lots of pro development he's going to give him the opportunity for a top pairing and probably run the power play in in stockton as well so he's got all the ingredients to have a successful season transition nicely to North America and then be a legitimate content candidate for an NHL position next year. Um, and is, you know, having watched him a little bit more than me, is there something that I'm missing here or is that kind of what the plan is with this player?
1: Yeah, we we see him as uh is kind of your stereotypical European free agent signing. Uh, He's smooth, composed. He can make a breakout pass. You're going to see some decent stuff from offensively. He can draw on guys and then pass the other way. Not a super high-end skilled player. Personally, I just didn't see enough from him that would warrant NHL ability other than being a call-up guy. So that's why he didn't quite make the ranking. But again, sometimes some of these players hit. Other times they don't. Like Miko Lettinen, we were super high on him. He didn't hit, uh, and then Ilya Mikheyev, I know he was a forward, but I didn't see anything that was NHL worthy in his game, and he, he turned out perfectly fine in the NHL. So it's a very mixed bag with these free agent signings, and uh, just because I don't have him ranked, it doesn't mean that it was the right decision. Yeah, we're we're knee
0: deep in that uh, muddy territory of any of these guys, you could talk me into knocking them out of the top 10 or or way down lower and and taking another guy and, and moving them way up. Um, it's, it's pretty a lot of gray area with these guys. Um, so rounding out my top 10 I went with uh, Matthias Emil Pedersen. Um, calls, has the moniker of the Norwegian Wayne Gretzky, which I love. Good luck living up to that name. Um, so he's 21 years old now. He's 5'11". And, you know, it sounds like he's a, another import player, but he has been in North America for some time now. He's played uh, high school hockey, USHL, uh, NCAA, and then he played the last season in the American Hockey League. Um, his final season of NCAA was great. Point of game player with uh, Denver. And then his rookie season as a pro last year, 14 points in 29 games, not bad, but not great. Uh, and like I mentioned, Stockton kind of struggled offensively as well. Uh, I would say his season in the American Hockey League as a rookie was was pretty good actually, but you know, he's 21 years old too, so he's got that going for him. Um, I'm not sure if I would say his progression is moving like up like a lightning bolt uh, I wouldn't say it's moving down. Um, I think it's it's kind of in the middle, which, which is not discouraging, but it's not encouraging. Um, you know, where do you guys, where do you guys see MEP?
1: Well, just like with Jan Kuznetsov, they took him out too early of of college hockey. Uh, he's we like him a lot. The puck handling is exceptional. He's actually one of the best puck handlers on the planet, uh, certainly in the prospect sphere mechanically he's perfect top hand free off his hip rolls the puck out the background that really strong like up and down motion um he just doesn't do much else beyond the puck handling the playmaking is very inconsistent mostly comes on the power play he can make the early pass and in five on five play in transition but very frustrating to watch i think another year in the ncaa I would have seen him take his game to another to another level um you know, he's a guy who needs physical development, but more importantly, he needs to understand how to protect the puck, how to use body positioning to leverage the opposition, how to make his puck handling work effectively in the NHL. And another year with Denver would have helped that. And instead, he was put in a pro environment that, yes, well, he scored because of the situation he was in. He was very clearly outmatched in certain categories. And I think long-term, that's going to prove to be the wrong decision. Because, yeah, and when you're dealing with someone who has that natural handling skill and can see the game in, in ways, especially in the, especially in open ice uh, you need to give them all the time that they can have to continue to build off that. And I felt like he didn't build off that this season after two very successful seasons in Denver, a third one would have been ideal. That's interesting.
0: Um, I find Calgary to be a relatively patient team with their prospect development and not necessarily quick to rush players into leagues that they're not ready for. And you're saying the exact opposite in this case, is that more of a one-off uh, or am I just off the mark with my assessment of their player development? Do you, do you like the way the flames develop
1: their players? Well, I think for the most part, yes, they were very patient. Like you asked me this question last year it would have been a resounding yes, because, oh, they didn't like, Peterson looks amazing, Uh, like so many developments in in a lot of regards, like Zavgrani took a massive step that in 2019, 2020 as well. And so it would have been positive. Um, And I think overall, it's still mostly positive. But I look at Peterson and I look at Jan Kuznetsov again, a guy who was just figuring out how to play with the puck in the college level. And then they signed him like, why? Why was that necessary? And then what is what is the option here? You send him to St. John? and where it's clearly a step down in competition. Like, of course, that's a great situation to be in, but it seems mostly by happenstance that he that they ended up getting that. So I don't know, it's it's a really tricky one to answer. But in previous years, I would have had very positive things to say. I mean, you also can't ignore the fact that like, Connors area looked like a completely different player of the season in a positive way. And that's, that's really the only player other than the goaltenders who really looks like a big ticket prospect in this organization so you know that's ultimately what it gets defined by and if zary turns out to be a dual threat score in the nhl the rest of it doesn't really matter all that much if you're an nhl team just given the odds yeah so one thought i just had on
0: that was both those players you're talking about that you think the flames pulled out earlier ncaa players i wonder if player agents uh put the gears to the team and say you know, you need to sign my guy, you know, if he's, he doesn't want to go back for a third year. If he does, he's playing four years and becoming a free agent.
1: I think they got uh, scared because of Adam Fox. <laughs>
0: well, maybe, you know, um, I don't mm-hmm. think this is the same kind of caliber pl- players that we're talking about no, with no. with Pedersen and, and Fox, but, uh, you know, losing players for nothing always kind of sucks after you've held on to them for so long. All right. So that rounds out my top 10. Now I'm really uh anxious to get through uh, and talk about some of the other guys you had dan vladder at three and i had him outside my top 10 um off the top of my head maybe i had him out- i don't remember why he didn't make my top 10 but he might have failed to qualify for my criteria which was 25 years old or 25 nhl games played um he might have he exceeded i don't think so off the top of my head but anyways that might be the case but you guys have him right up there he's going to be in the nhl this year backing up um markstrom so made expendable arguably in uh in boston they decided to go in different directions with Allmark and swayman um and let him go um that was a little bit of a red flag for me too you know giving up on on a prospect is always a is always a concern but you know, tell me why you guys are are so emphatically uh, confident with ladder.
1: So the real, the, the, the big thing here, even though he's 24 or whatever, is the skating ability. He's not Igor Shosturkin or whatever, but he he's the next best thing in terms of goaltender skating ability. Uh, just very mobile, very quick on his edges, very fast, uh, can adjust to plays. And so that was the big appealing thing. If you're looking for, you know star potential like we are or top of the lineup potential even though his chance of becoming that might seem slim we just felt it was higher than everyone else because he has that one standout attribute and so when Catherine silverman was putting together our top 15 goalie prospects he checked in at number 10 uh, to dustin wolf's number 13 and the and the big reason for that was the scanning ability the potential and even though even though he's 24 a lot of the issues that he has with his game are more technique based than you know athleticism or or um or skating so that was the primary reason here he's going to be a backup in the nhl he's probably going to be decent uh but this skating really gives us some pause to think that one day he could turn into a starting to a starter
0: yeah no i did have him in my honorable mention, so he, he wasn't disqualified from my criteria he's under 25 he's got about five nhl games played so Yeah, um, maybe I should have had him inside my top 10 at the very least. Uh, Another guy who didn't make my 10 that made yours was um, Heinemann. And I believe he was part of the return with the Sam Bennett trade uh, coming over from Florida. So not a Flames draft pick, but they coveted him in trade and uh, and acquired him with, with Sam Bennett. Uh, Two-way forward plan over in the, in the SHL. seems like a bit of a long-term project. Uh, what's your guys' take on him?
1: Well, we actually we had him at seven, and we felt that was like at the lower end of the range. To be completely honest, um, I think there's a real argument that he could be their number three ranked prospect. Um, he's uh, for the fantasy wow. nerds. He's, he's a perfect. He's 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 an awesome fit. He hits people all the time, and he's going to score goals in the NHL. Uh, there's, there's a lot of upside here because of the way that he plays because of the, the hard skills and the soft skill combination that he has. Um, he's very clever actually in the way that he plays physically. So he's not just trying to truck people, but he cuts off their hands really well, gets them on his back, then moves the puck to the inside. A lot of times with these players, they, they cycle the puck and then they just keep cycling it over and over and over again. Heinemann's not that he wants to bring the puck to the middle as soon as he gets an opportunity. And then from there, he's going to shoot and without the puck he's in he's hanging out in scoring areas adjusting getting ready to fire off a big one timer um there is a lot to like about his game there's some issues skating wise i think it's going to be an nhl strength because he's a very powerful kid it's just a matter of getting into the right posture consistently um yeah we we're we're big fans of him we think that he's basically a, a supercharged peltier well that's a ringing endorsement
0: um I have to see if he's available in my hockey league. Uh, Next up would be Cole Jordan, uh, 21 draft pick. I didn't have him on my honorable mentions even. Um, So is this guy a bit of a a bit of a sleeper prospect?
1: Yeah, we had him 36th on our uh, 2021 NHL draft board. So we were real high on him that they managed to get him with the 141st, 140, yeah, 141st pick was very... Very, very good work. Uh, he was arguably mechanically, he has the best stride in the draft class. I think I, I think I hedged a little bit on that in my article, but now I'm in a podcast form, I can say it. He has the best stride in the draft class in the 2021 draft class. It's perfect. It's perfect. Uh, knees pushed over toes, hips tilted back perfectly. His chest stays up. Complete, perfect extensions under the shoulder recoveries. His crossovers are really impressive too. Knee over knee, and he gets that uh, power skating inside leg push off which you don't see a lot from NHL, from NHL prospects, that's something that usually comes later in their game. And then unsurprisingly, uh, that obviously makes him a a very strong transition player. He's very deceptive. He's a skilled puck handler. He tries to use the middle often. He does throw a lot of pucks away. He does lack some discipline as a decision maker with the puck on a stick. And there are some warts offensively, but I think as a guy who's going to kill the rush early, he's going to be physical and he's going to break the puck out while being a terrific skater. There are very 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 few prospects who could bring that combination of upside with that level of skating um the big thing is that he was a number four in the whl as of september 2002. so why didn't he play more well the first thing is you know you have damon hunt damon hunts obviously gonna play play all the big minutes but damon hunt was also paired with a lesser player than uh than jordan but also jordan is mistake prone It was his first full season in the WHL. I think he got in twenty some games and he was injured for most of the year as a draft minus one. Um, And there's some things to clean up defensively reads wise, but terms of just tools, he's a first round player. It's very rare to have this combination. And he's a late birthday. So he should have, I think just one more
0: season of junior eligibility left. And uh, he's in the
1: WHL. Sorry. What team is he with? He's with Moose Jaw. And so Moose Jaw is going to be good. Uh, they got Denton matechuk, Damon Hunt. So they got two very, very good options. He again is going to be a secondary defenseman on his team. So I wonder if a path here to maximizing his probability of reaching the NHL is to kind of stick him in back as a, as an overager and see what happens and see if you can get some more offense out of him. Although to be fair, if you get him in the pro game, then you can get him to improve his defensive game, get him to pace a little bit faster yeah we we were huge fans of him uh surprised that he went as late as he did given that he checks off all the boxes for nhl teams you know big fast (laughs) right on um okay so then the last guy you had ranked
0: iot that i didn't have ranked he's your your 10th out of the top 10 uh and that is william stromgren another 21 draftee second round pick 45th overall um why do you guys have uh have him in your top 10 and I don't.
1: Yeah, uh, he's uh he's infuriating to watch. Um one of the most frustrating players you can watch in this prospect pool is just like suffer through William Stromgren tape. Uh he just tries to <laughs> dangle people all the time. It's it's very, very infuriating, but he really he really gets how to do it, right? I don't think it's quite Emilio Peterson level, but he understands how to bait defenders to reach in, kind of knock them off balance, and then go through them. There are some playmaking intricacies to his game. He just doesn't use it very often because he's so singularly focused on uh, treating opponents like pylons. Uh, a very interesting player. I think he's kind of the the, the strongest player archetype in this Calgary Flames prospect pool. Big, loves to handle the puck, loves to dig people. It's a perfect combination of the two players that they seem to value, which is, you know, physicality and puck handling skills. And he melds that better than anyone else in the organization. But if he hits, the upside is, you know, a middle six guy who can score some points. If he doesn't, he's probably, if he doesn't hit, there's probably not an NHL outcome for him as a grinder or, or in a checking role. He's probably just a guy who has some fun in the AHL. All right, so that's both our top 10s. Let's
0: talk about some of the the other players. Uh, There's some guys in here that have higher fantasy fan tracks ownership. So some some people out there are stashing these guys on their prospect roster, hoping for the best. Glenn Godden and Matt Phillips have both proven to be efficient producers at the American Hockey League level, uh, and neither one has managed to crack the NHL level are these guys just classic tweeners
1: i think Godin is i think phillips might be able to play kind of a kind of a checking role be an energy guy bring a little bit of defensive value uh while also you know find the odd uh, the odd goal here or there in front of the net um Godin just gone just a little bit too basic i think to become an nhl player uh he's he's the type of guy who you watch him and it's like yeah this guy obviously scored a lot in junior hockey he he plays an inside he wants to make plays through pressure you watch him in the ahl and it's the same thing but he just does it at too low of a pace doesn't bring enough impact on the other side of the ring to kind of offset it
0: well that's disappointing because of the two of them the one i own in fantasy is glenn Gordon so um, whoops uh okay Two more players, and these guys are, are maybe more valuable in the multi cat and banger categories Martin Pospisil and Itu Tulola. Itu Tulola is not as widely owned as, as Pospisil. Both have low ownership, but if these guys ever made it, um, they would check a whole lot of um, categories with hits and penalty minutes and shots they both like to shoot. I think Tulola's got a, a better goal scoring upside, and Pospisil has a, a much higher penalty minute upside. Uh, if he can stay healthy. Uh, do, do you see either of these guys as being NHL players or they're kind of maxed out at the American Hockey League level is kind of what it's looking like?
1: Yeah, Talola can't move or think at, a, at an NHL level. So that's, that's kind of, whereas Pospisil just can't move. Uh, Pospisil is very physical. He's also a really creative playmaker. Like you think that he's just running around mindlessly, but then he decks some dude and then Instantly knows the next play throws a pass to a teammate staying around in the slot. Uh, He lacks discipline, but he really seems to have good offensive feel. He has really good timing for what's coming next and how to make the next play and how to weaponize his physicality. Uh, Unfortunately, his hands do kind of let him down. I think that's largely connected to his skating actually, because I think he's very inconsistent with his skating posture. You know, his hips rise and fall over and over. And so that changes the way that you contact the puck on the ice. And so I think as he gets stronger and his skating improves, he's going to become a better puck handler. Like, I really do think there's an NHL chance for Pospisil. It's just very, very, very far away. But there is some upside. Again, the playmaking, the physicality, really interesting, rare combination. Mm-hmm. And He's got a bit of a Band-Aid label
0: attached to him, too, where because he plays such an agitating game, people really like to pound him. And he's not... He's not the biggest guy. He's only 172 pounds. So his his ability to endure the the abuse that that he attracts hasn't necessarily proven to be the case. Um, So let's talk a little bit about two more goalies, Adam Warner and Tyler Parsons. Tyler Parsons had a a pretty pretty good profile uh, coming into the NHL. A lot of fantasy appeal with him coming out of London, playing for, I think he played for Canada at the World Juniors um and he's just really failed to develop at the pro level and adam werner is going to be getting the opportunity they'll both be playing for stockton um who do you see is as the the, the better bet there they'll be getting um competing with
1: each other for starts there i haven't watched warner so i'm just gonna say parsons out of my lack of knowledge but <laughs> fair enough pa- parsons is like He's frustrating to watch because he's insanely gifted in some of the things that he can do. He's very explosive at times, very flexible. He has these crazy reactionary saves. And then you dig a little deeper and he's always out of position. His transitions are very slow when he's not making the highlight real play. So I don't think either of them are are, are NHL players. They're going to be very quickly surpassed by by Dustin Wolf in that Stockton net for sure.
0: Right on. Uh, you mentioned Yen Kuznetsov a couple of times. He's a very defensive defenseman. So, you know, not necessarily fantasy relevant. So I think we can maybe just gloss over him. Zav Gerodny has been a disappointment since turning pro. Uh, you know, he looked so great in his last year where he played with Lafreniere. Um, I saw him play for uh, Russia at the showcase series as well. And I was like, man, he doesn't need Lafreniere. This guy's got, this guy's got the skills. He he can play. Um, and then he's kind of proven me wrong. He's turned pro and was pretty disappointing. Um, what's holding him back? What element is, of his game is he missing?
1: So I, I ended up still liking actually his game when I saw him in stock. And the biggest difficulty is that when you looked at him in, the queue a lot of what he did was being faster than people and then yep. the a he is very much not faster than everyone so there's been some difficulty with him trying to figure out what works and what doesn't he does have some passing skill like he can he can make it out he can make plays off the backhand he can open up the odd lane here or there so i think that's probably his his path to improvement it just seems a little bit unlikely at this stage especially given the amount of talent that they have around them like uh peterson isn't going anywhere uh uh, Francis is presumably about to take whatever spot Sav Grodney is about to have in the AHL. So a bit of a tricky situation for him. I wonder how different his game looks if he's in a different system. Right.
0: Uh, last guy for me that I kind of wanted to get your opinion on is Rory Karens, um, however you pronounce his last name. Uh, you know, he's an OHL player who didn't play last year. He you know, was, was a, a refugee looking for a league. Uh, I think he got four games in at the American hockey league level, but he can only play so many players. Um, and I guess when the music ended, he didn't have a chair, but the pro the season prior, he had 30 goals with Sault Ste. Marie and he should be going back to the Sioux for one more season. I believe,
1: yep. I think he's 19. Yep.
0: So he's a player who I'm expecting to have a really big season in the OHL and, you know, all of a sudden might seem like he's kind of coming out of nowhere. If he has a breakout season in, in the CHL this year, uh, am I way off base there? Or is this a player that people who are listening to the show can be like writing that name down, putting him on their watch lists, checking in every once in a while to see how he's doing in Sault Ste. Marie, and then maybe snagging him on the, on the waiver wire and adding him to their, their prospect bench and, and percolating on him for a couple more seasons.
1: Depends on how big your bench is. (laughs) <laughs> the minutes he, deep all right so i think i think there is a chance especially depending on what he's able to do this season so there are a couple of things kyle raftis and co built a very interesting susan mary greyhounds team like they're going to be good this year very fun very explosive offense and karen's is going to be a big part of that he's a great shooter like he's an nhl caliber shooter in junior or at least or at least projects as one uh, good off puck instincts good timing he can make plays out of his shooting motion as well so like there is some deceptiveness to his game. I think there's a real chance that he kind of finishes top 20 in OHL scoring. Uh, just a very tricky one because he didn't play and we still don't know how that's going to negatively impact players. Um, it's a very, very difficult situation for sure. So I keep an eye on him just because, you know, something. It, there's always two or three guys in the O who pop. And Karen seems to be one of the, Karen seems to be a very obvious choice for that, just given his, his draft season and given the situation that he's going to be in with this very fun, very fast, very high paced Sue Greyhounds roster. All right,
0: so that exhausts the list of players for the Calgary Flames I want to talk about. I think we've covered over 20 prospects. Uh, have, have, have I missed anyone? Do you guys have someone on your radar who you're like, don't forget
1: about this guy? Yeah, so there was, there was one guy who, was very interesting to me. And that's uh, Ilya Sloviev. So he played, he went back to the K this year. He's from Belarus. Uh, he had a very interesting season in the OHL um, a couple of years ago. Uh, there are some mobility concerns, just like seemingly every other prospect not named Cole Jordan in this organization. But he activates in the play. He checks off a lot of modern principles. Like he's more of a playmaker than a point shooter. He can get up the ice. He can make the odd thing. He can kill plays early. Uh, Very, 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 very long-term, very uncertain, but just some interesting things. And then Jan Kuznetsov, I think if he continues to improve his puck skills, he deserves to be on the radar here. We had him number 14 defensive guy, but he was much better on retrievals. So with back pressure, he was able to find some separation, get the puck up the ice. He looked inside. Uh, Lots of really interesting, uh, exciting bits to his game. I don't know if he's an NHL player but I think he's tracking to become an interesting prospect. Like if he has another step forward this season, I think he's probably like a top eight or top 10 guy in the organization. He'll be in Stockton, right? Uh, uh, yeah. So there is some, he is, he was drafted by uh, St. John. Uh, and obviously they have, Malt, they had Francis and Poirier their last year. They're going to have Poirier again this year. So maybe they'll send him there. I think that's the best possible outcome, but Physically, he's ready to play. He's mobile enough to play in the AHL. You know, he's going to run over people, and so maybe that's just too exciting to pass up.
0: Awesome, awesome stuff, Mitch. You really brought the A game today. So, a couple of player, a couple of takeaways for me: Emil Heineman, Cole Jordan. Um, those are two names that you've really uh, tuned me into guys who I think I might need to start paying closer attention to uh this has been a lot of fun man so tell us where um anyone who's listening who may not follow you which is doubtful but where can we find you on twitter
1: you can go to mitch l just l brown on twitter.com and then check out our work on ep Ringside., uh we're breaking down all top prospect pools uh 32 to number one uh there are going to be some surprises of course and of course the top 15 prospects within it we just recently had our top 100 prospects and i think virtually every team had someone in there. So there's a little bit of fun for everyone. I'd really appreciate it if you checked checked it out. Um, you know, we work hard, we're trying to put out the best possible content and we have a great team. So very, very excited and happy with what we're doing. It would be an awesome, uh, it would be awesome if you joined us.
0: Yeah, I, I can't recommend uh, the subscription enough. Their, uh, their material is, is fantastic. Um, it's like a two for one sort of subscription, really. You get all of the uh, unlocked features on the elite prospects player pages and then you get the um the ep ringside articles that's that's comparable to the athletic the stuff that they have there and and the professional writers that you guys have on on your team are um it's a it's, a, it's an impressive roster uh, i have to say so go ahead and and take my word for it and sign up for ep ringside subscription and thank me later when you win your hockey pool all right, Mitch. Uh, this has been great. Uh, maybe I'll have to get you back on for for another team uh, later on down the road, further down the alphabet, if uh, if you're available. This has been this has been my pleasure, and I've learned a lot. So thanks very much for coming on.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me on, Pete. I really appreciate it. It was a great time.
0: Yeah, thanks, man. All right. So next up will be the uh, Carolina Hurricanes. That'll be the next episode coming up. Their their top prospects. Uh, so we'll talk to you then.